If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 169 of the Yappin' Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on the 15th day of January of the year 2023. And here we are at the second episode of 2023, my friends. I hope you guys had a good week. I did end up deciding in the middle of last week, or this past week rather, that I would come at you with another episode this weekend, because I did take those two weeks off in a row, so I figured I'll give you two weeks in a row, and then next Sunday I'll take off. Also partially because next week, not this coming week, but next week I will be having a rather difficult week at work, to put it mildly, and I prefer to just have next weekend with as much time to clear my mind as possible and just be able to sit and relax, so... It just made sense to come back at you this weekend with another episode. Despite it being a bit of a quiet week, and it really was, especially in Yankee land, some, some things happen and we'll discuss them, but mainly quiet as we're in the middle of January, so we're basically just like right in the middle of the offseason as it is, mid-January. And I figure now is as good a time as any with maybe a little bit more than a month or just about a month until spring training begins to do a bit of an outlook on the offseason so far. Because a lot of people, as you know, mid-January comes in, a couple of weeks before we know it will be in February, and that is the month that spring training already begins. So with that nearing, and the next time that I will be talking to you will be January 29th, where February is right around the corner. So I'll probably bring up this topic again the next time we speak, but I figured I'd start to bring it up now, now that the off-season is more than halfway over, and we're on the back end of it, we're closer to 2023 baseball than we are the end of the 2022 baseball season and postseason. So since we're getting close to that, I figured this is around the time I start to really just look at the offseason so far for the Yankees. And I've liked certain things that they've done. I really have. I love the addition of Rodon. I am a huge fan, obviously, of Judge and Rizzo returning. That goes without saying. But there's been the criticism still that people continue to mention week by week, including myself. I mention it week after week after week here on the podcast. That if you compare it to last year's team, that same team that lost to the Astros, that same team that went through much of the 2022 season, this team has not gotten much better, if at all. The main problem, as we know, lied at the end within the offense. That is what ultimately became their undoing at the end. Pitching was good for the vast majority of the season, hit a big bump around the midway point throughout all of August, bounced back a bit in September. The offense definitely hit their rough patches as well, especially around the halfway point of the season in July, August, but it was especially their undoing in the end, and that was really where most people expected for them to really eye some improvements. And as far as the offense, 
Yes, they did well to bring Judge and Rizzo back, but are there improvements? The answer so far is no. It's the same as last year. I mean, yeah, Bader was an improvement, but you did have him for the second half. Or at least some of the second half, because he spent a chunk of the second half from when the trade was made until September, or midway through September, being injured. And obviously he made his impact known. I mean, he was phenomenal right when he came off the injured list all the way through to the end of the playoffs. Best hitter in the playoffs. Probably only ahead of Rizzo. And so that was a great addition. And it could be going into 2023 as well, but what are all the other positions? They're the same or maybe even a downgrade so far. Because they keep on going on saying, oh, this is the team that didn't have DJ LeMahieu, they didn't have Andrew Benintendi, and that would have made a difference. Well, now you don't even have Benintendi because he's on the White Sox. DJ, his health is still up in the air, even though they're saying that he should be good to go. But it's up in the air, and you don't know what will happen when he actually steps on the field and starts to play again. And the only upgrade that I could see at this point, with it being really unlikely in having a left field improvement at this point, the only potential upgraded position could be shortstop if you put Peraza there instead of IKF. If you put IKF there, even that's the same. You're still going to have Donaldson at third at this point. I think it's safe to say. I don't think Cashman was bluffing at at this point now in saying that Donaldson is going to remain the third baseman, at least to start 2023. Because I personally have less than no faith that he will bounce back. No faith at all. The Yankees seem to think that his bat has something left, despite him only getting older and last year really being the first sign of his career of taking a humongous downturn, being by far his worst offensive season ever. But the Yankees, for some reason, have some reason to believe that he's going to bounce back with the bat. He was fine defensively, whatever, but he didn't get him just for the defense. He definitely expected him if you were Cashman, when you made the trade to make a big offensive impact as well. You definitely expected that when you got him, and you didn't get it. You got way less than nearly no production. I mean, this is the same guy who pimped a bunch of fly balls like they were hit 550 feet and then got hosed a number of times because he just started trotting the bases, did his classic bat flip, big mouth, the whole deal. We know Josh Donaldson. We don't got to go over it. So he'd be staying the same at third, unless you put Peraza at shortstop over IKF, which is what you should do at this point if you're not going to make any other moves. And I think it's pretty obvious they're not making any other shortstop moves at this point. And Volpe is probably not going to start the 2023 season in the major leagues, as he probably shouldn't. I definitely think he should see the major leagues at some point during the year, but the chances of seeing him to start are very low. So give Peraza shortstop. Unless you do that, there's no improvement there. With all the stuff going on with Glaber Torres now, second base is a little bit up in the air, even though you still have, you know, you could put Oswaldo there, but even that's a question, because we'll get to it in a second, but because of the lack of left field improvement, you might have to put him out and left again. So even that's a question mark. You could put DJ there, but where's his health at? Either way, same players as last year. First base, you still got Rizzo. Right field, you still got Judge. Bader, you got center field. And left field... It really seems unlikely at this point, as upset as it makes me, that the Yankees are getting Reynolds. There were continued reports all throughout the week of what the Pirates are asking for for Brian Reynolds, and I definitely wanted to hit on this as well. They apparently requested, at least from what I read, two out of the three big prospect names of Volpe, Peraza, and Dominguez. And that's a bit much, because not even just them, but and then some. 
And I looked at that, I was like, alright, that's a bit much. <laughs> that's a little bit much. And I expect the Pirates to demand as what some are calling it a king's ransom. I get it. And they should. But they're probably not going to be able to move their guy if they do, as they have, and nothing has happened so far. And do the Yankees have to do it if they don't want to? Of course they don't. And if it were that much, if that really is how much they were asking for, then at that point, I think I understand not pulling the trigger. And listen, I'm as big a Brian Reynolds guy as anybody. And I will acknowledge as much as the next guy that not nearly every prospect is going to work out. I've said that a number of times. But giving nearly or maybe even all of them away, I mean, and then some on top of that, it's a little bit much. It is a little bit much. So even I'm hesitating a little bit there, and I'm not a prospect hugger at all. I'm really not. If you heard a lot of my takes on some of the trades that the Yankees actually ended up making in reality, or trades that I wanted to see happen, and I put a potential scenario out there involving prospects, you would know that unless absolutely warranted, I am not a prospect hugger. So, but when it gets to be that much, you're talking about two or three of the top three prospects. <laughs> That's a bit much. So, while that is a bit much, it is unfortunate that you won't get the guy if that is the case. And it's unfortunate with what you'll have to do because you're not going to have really much of an improvement there. And you're probably going to have to put someone out there, again, who does not play that as their primary position in Oswaldo Cabrera. Did he do well for a chunk of the time, especially for someone who did not really have any outfield experience prior to being called up? Yes, he did a fine job. But it started to fade towards the end. Everybody was talking about it. Let's not pretend like that didn't happen. Started to make some silly mistakes out there. Don't blame him. I blame the Yankees for not having a competent left fielder. Someone who plays the outfield first, which is what I really would have rathered. But he started to slip up there towards the end. And I do think that Oswaldo would be better off in the infield where he belongs first and foremost. Now they're probably going to have to put him back out there in left field. Which if if they have to, listen, we have to live with it. That's the way that it is. But I can't pretend like I'm a huge fan of it. I think it could be worse. You could put Hicks out there. It's 10 times worse. And by the way, I have had enough, and I know you kind of have to touch on it because he's still on the damn roster, unfortunately, but I think Yankee fans would rather stick pin needles into their eyeballs rather than even ponder Aaron Hicks seeing the field ever again. And you put on the Yes Network, and I love the Yes Network crew. I love, I, I, I'm I a big fan of Jack Curry's. I like Michael K. despite a lot of other people not liking him for some reason. I appreciate him. I don't know. There are some times where I disagree with him, of course, but disagreements are part of life. It's allowed to happen, you know, without the whole world crumbling. And I, Bob Lorenz is fine. And I like Flash, just as long as he's not in the commentator's booth. I just don't think he's a good commentator. I do think he's a great analyst. But... My point is, I like the Yes Network crew. But I am tempted to swan dive off the roof of my house whenever I hear them even throw around the idea of giving Aaron Hicks a chance out in left field. I can't even listen to the conversation. I have to turn it off. I can't. It makes me mental. I cannot even think about it happening. That's the worst possible scenario. Picking out any and all positives, as if there are even any, 
of Aaron Hicks that you can. I mean, the guy can't hit. He hasn't hit for a while. He hasn't even played consistently for a while. He can't stay healthy. And they were talking about how he had some good throws from the outfield there at some points this season. Yeah, he might have. But how about the ability to even get to make that throw? I'll give you an example. How about how he tries to get to the ball before he even has an opportunity to throw it? See some of the routes he takes? See some of the lack of effort that he puts into it, trotting to the ball, taking his sweet-ass time? You're okay with seeing that take place again? And it will take place again, by the way. It will. That's just who Aaron Hicks has proven to be. And it's not just one or two examples of this happening. No. This has happened a number of times. We all know it. We have seen it with our own eyes. So Aaron Hicks is factually, I don't care that he's a switch hitter. I don't care that whenever the planets line up, he'll let off a cannon of a throw to home plate. I don't care. It's not nearly enough. I'm not saying the Yankees have to have gods at every position on the field. But if you're even considering Aaron Hicks in left field right now, you need help. And you should seek it as soon as possible. It is the worst possible scenario. So if you have to, And it seems like right now the Yankees are just settling for this. I guess we should address that since it's the episode title, because this is the main topic of discussion, the outlook of the offseason, mainly left field, and the lack of solving the problem. And um, let's not pretend Reynolds is the only potential solution. There are a lot of other names out there. They all came and went. Could have gotten Benintendi back. Could have gotten Conforto taking a chance on him, even though it was iffy on him because that's a risk. And Reynolds, they asked for a lot. Whatever, I get it. But still... The problem was not addressed. And now it seems like the settling is taking place. He's settling for Josh Donaldson at third base. If you're not playing Peraza at shortstop, I guess you're settling for IKF again at shortstop, even though one of the kids is ready, and the quote-unquote placeholder role that they gave for IKF last year is now filled. If they still choose to put IKF out there despite that being filled, then you're settling for there. And you're settling out in left field since you weren't able to do anything there. Now, could it change come the trade deadline in 2023? Yes, it could. But right now, I think a lot of Yankee fans would rather it solved right now. And I find it hard to blame them. I really, really do. But you're going to have to settle for Oswaldo back out there, I guess. And it's, listen, it is what it is. Maybe another move could be made in the next month. I don't know. I really don't know. Maybe they will end up making a trade. They do still have some things to address. Like I said, there's that whole thing going on with Glaber right now, which I'll address in a little bit. But I guess my outlook on the offseason, even though this rant seems majorly negative, I will say I love the addition of Rodon. I love that they brought back Judge, Judge and Rizzo. But I am not happy about the fact that other than that, if no other moves are made, and I like the re-addition of Tommy Canely too, I'll mention that. But other than that, if no other moves are made, and the other positions that I consider to be major issues continue to be major issues into next year, I'm still going to have my major doubts about this team, and I will, in the end, not think this offseason was that great. I would think it had good aspects about it. I would not consider it a completely successful offseason, though, because there are still holes on the team. And like I said, I don't expect all-stars or gods at every single position. But the fact of the matter is, there were problems that needed solving that, at least to this point, have not been solved yet. 
And in left field's case, even so much to the point that we have Yes Network crew even considering remotely Aaron Hicks seeing any other looks out in the outfield. And when that's still happening, in 2023, after the last few years of misery with Aaron Hicks, you've got a problem. And you've still got a hole that needs filling that hasn't been filled yet. That's just the fact of the matter. So outlook on the offseason so far, it's fine, I guess. It's fine. Solid improvement to the rotation. Added Canely in the bullpen. Maybe they'll get another reliever. I don't know. But the offense, it still leaves a lot to be desired. And there still leaves a problem also about how again, which is another past problem the Yankees have had, and it seems like it will be again, as it was in the past, is the lack of left-handed hitters. I know you have Oswaldo Cabrera, who's a switch hitter. Will he be out there every day, though? Yeah, Benintendi, he was lefty, he's gone. And other than Rizzo, that's basically it. So you've also got a lack of lefties. And I know because I've said this in the past, so I won't appear like a hypocrite and going against what I said in the past as well. I myself have said that no matter how many hitters from one side you've got, all that matters is that those hitters are effective. And I agree with that. But like I've said, this lineup also leaves a lot to be desired to begin with. So you could afford, at the very least, to mix in some lefties there, in my opinion. And the Yankees have not done that either. So there's the danger with that as well. So that's why, balancing it out, I'm very happy with the things they have done, but I'm also not very happy with things that they haven't done. So the offseason is fine to me, I guess. As opposed to, yeah, it was great. It was really solid. I'm happy with it. No, I'm not. It was fine so far. It's not over yet. So far, it's just sort of like a whatever mentality about it. We'll see what else happens. But that's mainly what I've been thinking of the entire week as, you know, time continues to go by, guys. Like I said, it's already the middle of January, so these are things you have to think about. And the Yankees actually also, I guess we'll get to Yankee news now, because I did mention stuff going on with Glaber, and there was also a big thing to the starting rotation, well, somewhat big, I would say, that we should also talk about a bit as well. But let's get right to Yankee news with that, because speaking of the Yankees having lost some people, they lost another. Now, I don't think this is that big a deal, but it is an aspect of the team also that you are losing with the departure of him. And the him that I speak of, his first name actually rhymes with him, it's Tim LeCastro, and he was signed on a minor league deal to the Mets, actually, so he's headed across town. So the Yankees lost Tim LeCastro. So Tim LeCastro obviously didn't have... Didn't have a major impact with the team. Had some nice outfield plays. Showed some great displays of speed. Yes, some great displays of defense. But he didn't see that much time. He spent some time hurt. He spent some time in the minors and whatnot. All the above. But they are losing some speed there. Well, actually a lot of speed, I should say. So, Tim LeCastro to the Mets. So he's gone. So the Yankees say goodbye to a speedster there. Now, in other Yankees news, we'll get right to Glaber because he was a bit of a topic of discussion in the outlook of the offseason and talking about the infield at second base in particularly. Well, he and the Yankees seem to be heading to arbitration because the Yankees settled with just about everybody except for him, and there was a little bit of trouble with Peralta as well, Wandy Peralta, I believe. But 
The one that everybody's talking about is Glaber Torres because it's kind of a silly situation. Now, maybe a little bit more silly to us on the outside. I mean, it's it's more serious to them on the inside, of course, between Glaber and the Yankees themselves. But Glaber in his next stage of arbitration because he's nearing the end of his, his uh, years of control. So in his next step in arbitration, he requested $10.2 million. And the Yankees laid out 9.7. Now, obviously, if the two cannot agree by the deadline, then they have to go to arbitration and hopefully settle somewhere in the middle. Otherwise, it could get ugly. Nobody wants to go to arbitration in the first place. Nobody wants to. They want to settle and get it over with. But the Yankees and Glaber seem to be having trouble. And the irritating part about it is that it's over $500,000. <laughs> now, five hundred grand is a lot to me and you, casual people out there. But amongst... The professional baseball players and the baseball organizations themselves, a lot of regular people from the outside may be commenting, well, it's only $500,000 compared to how much money is invested in this sport. Figure it the hell out. It's not that much. I find it hard to argue with that. <laughs> like, I'm over here just like, all right, then settle at 10 then. The hell's a big deal. I know it's still a difference of 200 grand or so, 250 grand, but. It's really not that big a gap. It's, I've heard much bigger gaps in arbitration discussions before. I mean, there was there was Judge in the Yankees last year. So, I don't know. It's 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 a little silly. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But ten point two and nine point seven seems like a pretty easy settlement at ten. If you ask me, I, I don't really know, and I think it's kind of. It's kind of silly of the Yankees to like make that big an issue about it. Five hundred grand—that's all you're off from him. I mean, if he can't settle in the middle, I'd, I'd, I'd kind of just give it to him. Because if you're going to agree to settle, like they appear to be doing with positions like left field and third base, and possibly even shortstop if they don't start Peraza or Cabrera at the very least, I don't know somebody else other than IKF, then it'd be silly to create conflict with Glaber Torres since, I mean, they could still trade him, who the hell knows, but like I said, I wouldn't be bothered if they did, depending on who it is for, depending on who it is for, I gotta put that out there, but I also wouldn't be bothered if he stuck around, because you also can't deny that he was one of the top offensive players in the Yankee lineup last year, despite his massive August or mid-season overall skid. Because in the first half, like I said, he looked like comeback player of the year, had about a month and a half's worth of dreadful baseball and then finish it off strong in the end. So it's kind of a tough argument if you're the Yankees to die on the hill of 9.7 million as opposed to just 10.2, which is only 500 grand apart, and make a big issue of that with Glaber Torres, one of your higher-up players amongst all the rest on the field, and risk having that affect him in the future because of all the drama that goes with arbitration. But be okay elsewhere. And I know it's tough to compare because arbitration is a different story. It's its own animal. I know how it works. I'm not five years old, but it's just kind of a tough hill to die on. I would probably just really sit down and just freaking settle at 10. Easier said than done being on the outside, I'm aware. But if it becomes that big of an issue, I really, I really would just cut it off before it grows to be too big, over 500 grand. I don't think you could afford to lose Glaber Torres if you don't have any any intentions of trading him for someone that would legitimately improve your team 
and you really wanted to be around because he would he would legitimately help out. I I don't really think you should be making a big issue of five hundred thousand dollars if you're the Yankees. So I hope that that doesn't become a long drawn out process because it really is not necessary. <laughs> it's really not. So. That's to deal with that labor and the Yankees with the arbitration drama. And to be honest, the only other thing in Yankees news was the news of Frankie Montas. So there's that as well. And this one I'm kind of going to go on a tangent about because I'm really ticked off about this. Now, I know there's sort of a negative tone over this episode, but there's not really much positive that happened this past week amongst the couple of things that did happen. It was, like I said, it was mostly a quiet week otherwise. But the things that did happen with the Yankees this week, I would say, are pretty negative because it was another week of just seeming like things are just staying more or less the same and the team is mostly being run right back. And even though it's not really that much of a loss, Tim LaCastro going, element of speed there, Glaber Torres and Yankees arbitration stuff, and now this being announced as well with Montas, I don't know, it's just leaving a sour taste in my mouth just for this past week involving the Yankees, but they announced that Frankie Montas will be missing the first month or so because his shoulder is still giving him inflammation issues. So you want to tell me that after months of not doing anything really his shoulder is still this bad are we sure it's just inflammation and there's nothing else there nothing else that's going to magically appear in a test months down the line or maybe weeks down the line that keeps him out even longer and makes this trade look like even more of a bust than it's already been up to this point because this is getting ridiculous now And with this news, in case you were also including Clark Schmidt and or Domingo Herman in any sort of trade packages to try to make an improvement anywhere on this Yankee team, well, you could rip them right out of that trade package now because the Yankees kind of need them with this Montas news now. You're going to be having Clark Schmidt and or Domingo Herman slotting in for that fifth starter role at this point. I don't know, man. I just don't really understand the Montas situation. Right when he was traded here, I mean, there were already major concerns with his shoulder. He was still coming off of an injury for the most part, and it was just really iffy. He was even going through some personal stuff. That's personal stuff. It's totally different. That's fine. Take all the time you need with that. But there were massive injury concerns with his shoulder, and it was a major red flag when he got here. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I wasn't thrilled about the Montes trade. I was. Because after missing out on Castillo, which I understand (laughs) the Reds got a lot for him, but after the Yankees missed out on him, I mean, I wouldn't blame Cashman if he just felt like he had to make a move, and maybe they did some ignoring of the true concerns of Montas and his shoulder. But now I'm really just starting to question whether or not this organization truly did their proper research and homework on this guy's shoulder when he was acquired, if they just brushed it under the rug. Because this is looking really bad, man. He missed so much time with this problem with his shoulder. And when he didn't miss time with it, he was an unmitigated disaster on the mound whenever he pitched. Which gave some credence to his prior bad numbers away from Oakland, which I was aware of at the time. I was. But I figured maybe he could fix it. 
putting on a new uniform, playing for the Yankees, maybe it'd help fix it. He'd correct some of those struggles, but he didn't as far as when he's pitched so far. Most of his starts, he was terrible. He had a couple of starts where he was okay, but most of the starts were an utter train wreck. He would just fall apart at the seams, just totally collapse. And when he wasn't doing that, he was missing time being hurt again. And now, after multiple months of no activity in the offseason, he is still going to miss about a month. So the Yankees stopped playing in October. And what you're telling me is that after an entire offseason's worth of rest, for something that's apparently just shoulder inflammation, they claim, he is not going to return until around May. How is this possible if it's not something worse? I just want that explained to me. That's all I want explained. I think the Yankees 1 through 4, especially so long as Severino stays healthy, which is another if, I know. But especially if he does, I'm still confident in this rotation. And I think Domingo Herman could at least put out some good starts. I would probably choose him over Schmidt for a number 5 spot if I had to. I just don't trust Schmidt in the rotation. And he definitely had his bad appearances, especially towards the end of last year. But I would definitely put Herman there in the five spot if I had to, despite my dislike for Herman personally. But I mean, listen, there's really no other choice. Can you imagine if the Yankees didn't get Rodon, the pickle they'd be in right now? So thank God even more so that they got him. Hopefully he stays healthy too. And so Montes out for at least a month. I just don't get it. It's really seeming weird to me. It really is. Already this much time off, not doing anything, other than maybe some routine throwing. But I doubt even that because if the shoulder has been giving him this much trouble for this much time, he shouldn't be doing any work. And after all of this resting time, there's still so much trouble to the point that he might be out until at least like May. And you could say that confidently back in January. After already about two or three months worth of rest got to be a worse injury there it has to be and if it is then this would go down as yet another disastrous trade and again I know part of that also depends on how the other pieces do on the other side of the trade I get that but still you're giving away prospects for someone who just doesn't work out at all and it's tough for me to argue this I know because I was a fan of the Montas trade I did acknowledge the shoulder concerns and just prayed that they didn't take place. But now that they have, it's looking really bad, man. It's looking really bad. There's an account on Twitter. I don't know how many of you know it. You'll have to excuse my language, but in this case, there's really no getting around it. But the Twitter handle for it is Yankee Slut. It's a great account tweeting out a lot of Yankee stats, a lot of Yankee opinions, many of which I happen to agree with. And this is another one that I happen to agree with. And... It's as true as it gets if you look back at the last two or three years worth of trading for Cashman. And I guess this just goes along with our desire to see some sort of a change at that position and not being happy that he was extended yet again. But here's the tweet that that they put out, and I couldn't agree more. It said, while not everything was predictable, and I'll give that to Cashman too, that's fair, Cashman's recent trade record is horrific 
72.9 in BTV trade value, which is a lot. In player trade value, 72.9 is a lot of value. Means how much you're giving away in exchange for these players. And all of that was given for players in the likes of Joey Gallo, who was one of the worst moves, I would say, in Yankee history. Josh Donaldson, IKF, Andrew Benintendi, Scott Efros, and Frankie Montas. All having been non-factors due to either performance or health. Joey Gallo, definitely performance. Josh Donaldson, definitely performance. IKF, definitely performance. Even though, I will say, in IKF's case, he basically performed to what he usually does, which just isn't good. Sorry. Andrew Benintendi, I would definitely say health. And when he first got here for the first couple of weeks' performance, because he took some time to warm up, and then he started to really get the swing of things, pun intended. And then he got hurt, obviously, for the rest of the way out. So mostly health with him. Scott Efros, health. And Frankie Montas, health and performance, I would say. So, not a good look. Not a good look. That was a tweet that that Yankee account put up. Yankee slut, go follow them. They're great, and I couldn't agree more with it as I agree with most of their stuff. And that's just the truth. You can't help but look at the trades from the last two to three years with Cashman. You can't help but see it. His most recent trades have not worked out. And while it is true that not all of them could have been predicted, yes, that's true, but when it's one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other, it admittedly gets a little difficult to ignore from an outside perspective. Sorry. That's that's just how it is. And like they went on to say, 72.9 in trade value. That's a lot. That's a lot of value at the times of those trades. Not ideal. So... That's really all there is for Yankees news from this past week. And it's not great stuff, especially the stuff of Glaber. Montas is annoying news. And and those thoughts really make you think, especially in the case of Montas with the trades of the last two years or so. It really makes you think what the Yankees have done last couple of years with Brian Cashman at the helm, the kinds of things that have taken place with the trades that have happened. Not ideal. Not ideal at all. But one thing the Yankees did do that always could have some good results is that uh, this just came out today, literally a, a few hours ago at the time that I'm taping. But the Yankees apparently agreed to a deal worth an estimated $4.4 million with a major international free agent outfielder, Brandon Maia. Estimated $4.4 million. He's the number nine prospect on the international top 50 list. So we know the Yankees have had a good reputation of this the last few years of signing top international free agents. And this is another one to the list. So this is a positive if you want to add a positive to some of the unfortunate negative discussion of today's episode. But they did sign him and it seems encouraging. This has been this has been in the talks for some months now. They were saying the Yankees were likely to sign him for at least the last couple of months. And I've been keeping track of it very loosely for like the last month or so. And today it was apparently made official that they are signing him. 
And he's still very young yet, so we'll have some years of development to go, so you won't see him for a while. Sort of like what happened with Jason Dominguez. Now you're hearing a lot more about him as the years continue to pass. But um, but it seems really promising what scouts seem to be saying about him early on. They say he has uncommon bat speed and power. And one evaluator even described him as a mini Gary Sheffield, hopefully without the steroids eventually. But anyways... A lot of others also said that he has a really advanced approach at the plate. Like someone who is a lot, they would expect to be a lot older, like a veteran's approach at the plate. He's very aggressive, and he's starting to get a better understanding of the strike zone already. So he is quickly progressing in his development, and the Yankees have brought him aboard. So as the years continue to pass, I assume we'll be hearing more and more about him. Congratulations to Maya for making it here. Hopefully, if it is warranted, he does get to see some legitimate playing time here someday. It'd be awesome to see. They do say he's mainly in center field, and they expect him to stay there, but he could obviously also end up learning a corner outfield spot, which, I mean, the Yankees have more of an immediate need for that, and obviously he's nowhere near ready for that. They just signed him to, be, <laughs> to come over here, so that's not going to happen, of course, but he could still learn a corner outfield spot for the future, which, you know, the more positions, the better. And they're bringing these kids up to play multiple positions if they can. So we'll see what comes of Maya. But that just became official today after the multiple past few months of discussion that the Yankees could end up bringing him aboard and were very likely to do so. And now they officially have. So there's your one positive piece of news that the Yankees continue to be very much in on the international free agent market. Other than that, really, throughout all of baseball, mainly quiet week, I would suppose. Trey Mancini did go to the Cubs. Uh, with Carlos Correa, I guess the third time was the charm, as the saga that we have never seen before and could very well never see again finally met its end, especially because of the official news that he did officially, finally pass his damn physical. <laughs> he did end up eventually, ultimately, after all the drama the last few weeks, more than the last few weeks. He finally ended up just ultimately going right back to Minnesota. <laughs> After all of that, 13 years, 350 with the Giants. Failed physical, no good. Everybody thought the Giants were nuts and making excuses for it. Mets immediately grab him. 12 years, 315. Mets start to voice some concerns over it. Apparently now the Giants aren't that crazy or pathetic. And the Mets apparently through reports especially mainly through SNY, Andy Martino, were saying that amidst conversations trying to change and modify the contract to make it more suitable to Correa's results in his physical and his health, apparently the Mets were starting to get irritated and impatient with the conversations. And then it started to come out a few days ago that the Twins were heating up in talks with him in his camp. And then it was announced that the Twins got him for six years, $200 million ultimately. So 13 years, 350, 12 years, 315, then six years, 200 with the Twins after everything taking place with his health issues. Ends up getting it done and finally puts an end to a saga that, again, we may very well never even see again. <laughs> How freaking crazy, guys. I couldn't believe it day by day as it continued to go on and more and more reports started to come out about everything post-Giants and then 
everything just continuing to go into a negative direction with the Mets, which a lot of people just took as Boris just putting out there to the media to press the Mets, which honestly was very likely. Don't blame them at all for thinking that. I even thought that to some degree. But then it ended up seeming pretty legit since he ended up really not signing back with the Mets ultimately when the Mets tried to modify the deal and make it more suitable to Correa's health, making it more realistic in that sense. And he ended up going back to the Twins. So from... Just from a talent and production standpoint with how much the Mets could afford to have another bat, that's a big blow to them. A lot of Mets fans who were completely psyched were all of a sudden pretending to not even care, saying that he was damaged goods. That's just copium for you right there. And, I mean, listen, if you felt that way from the beginning, then fine. You have a right to feel that way. But I know a lot of people that made it very publicly obvious that they were thrilled to have him. And they now want to pretend that he's damaged goods and they don't even care. It's not how it works, guys. (laughs) It's not how it works. So, I mean, just admit that you're upset and ticked off. I mean, you'd be respected more, I think, if you just admitted that. It's fine, whatever. But for Carlos himself, it would seem again that the third time is finally the damn charm. Congratulations on your Minnesota contract. (laughs) My God. What a saga that was. That ought to live in the history books forever. (laughs) All right, well, now that we're done with Yankees news, let's head on to the social media segment to wrap things up for the rest of the show. And it's actually something today that I have not done in a while, so it's pretty refreshing that I'm doing it for today. But I finally decided to whip out the Q&As again. So I'm doing a Q&A with you. You ask, I answer. I have not done this in a number of weeks, probably even a couple of months, to be honest. So you ask, I answer. Let's get right down to it. First up, let's start with, let's see, at Eric underscore Pellis saying, why is nothing said about lineup construction? Lack of left-handed hitting in Yankee Stadium is concerning, was somewhat addressed with the Carpenter signing and the trade of Benintendi. The moves helped them, and that's why the lineup is weaker than last season. Yeah, Carpenter was the other left-handed hitter I even forgot to forget. I'm so sorry about that, Carp. You know I love you to death. But yeah, it's another one. Another loss of a lefty. So, yeah, listen, I I mentioned that as a concern, and usually I'm not, I don't harp on that too much as long as the right-handers are efficient enough to get the job done, then it is what it is. But when the Yankees appear to be settling like they are with a lot of positions that could otherwise use some vast improvement, and... You factor in the obvious that everybody always talks about that Yankee Stadium is hitter-friendly for left-handed hitters with that short porch in right field. It's tough to not make more of an issue of the lack of lefties, like you're saying, Eric. So at this point, yeah, I, I have to agree with you. It is an issue, and it is pretty incredible to me that, yeah, the Yankees did try to incorporate more lefties and did a good job at that. But either their health became a concern, or now they're no longer here. So it is a problem, yet again, that Cashman has not addressed. And it's been a major problem for a lot of years for Cashman now. Having that short porch in right field being the main advantage at Yankee Stadium. Because, you know, again, a lot of people would argue that all of Yankee Stadium is hitter-friendly, and that's just factually not true. It's mainly the short porch in right. And you do have that there, but Cashman has not added a lot of lefties in most of the seasons that the new Yankee Stadium has been up. And now he seems to have a bit of a problem with it again. So it is a valid problem to mention, especially when the Yankees seem to be settling in certain positions that need improving. So I can't argue with you, Eric. I don't know 
I don't know why not a lot is being done about that. I'm not really sure. Just like I'm not sure why some better attempts weren't made for left field or trying to find another solution for third base or maybe not even taking on the contract of Donaldson in the first place and grouping IKF in there. Because some of us didn't like that trade from day one. <laughs> so just things like that, you know. At Baseball, Tzar is up next, saying, Why did Davey fall off the face of the earth? Well, because he stunk lately. Have you taken a look at some of his minor league numbers the last year or two? Take a look at them. They're horrible. So that's why Davey Garcia has fallen off the face of the planet. But uh, yeah, look, we'll uh, say some stats. I'm not saying he can't correct them. He's still only 23 years old, for the love of God, so he can correct them. But, I mean, it's been ugly. Really bad. I mean, go mainly take a look at most of his 2021 and 2022 numbers. I mean, it's horrible. You had in 2021, let's see, total ERA of 685, it says. 2022, 689. In AAA, 796. And AA, 540 in 2022. Uh, it's, it's really bad. AAA in 2021, 685. In 24 games started, in 22 games started, rather, 24 games pitched. It's bad. Last couple of years, he's been dreadful. He's really regressed, which is, it's discouraging. It sucks. Because when he first came up, he was really exciting. Albeit being in the shortened season in 2020. But then after that, it just it just has not worked out since. It just hasn't. It's been bad. So that's why he just he needs to work his way back and rebound his career, get it back on the right track because it's been terrible. Up next, we've got at Zach Wood Designs, my good friend Zach saying, do you think Canely has a decent season and plays all year? That's a good-ass question, man. Plays all year, I'm not really sure because obviously he left the Yankees amidst needing Tommy John surgery and he missed a lot of time, only pitched a handful of games really with the Dodgers and he did a decent job. But playing the whole year, <clears throat> that's that's difficult. I'm not sure he plays the whole year, but has a decent season. I think he could, especially because of how thrilled he is to be back here. And that does play a role in things. Now, I know being thrilled to be back doesn't necessarily control the ability to stay healthy. <laughs> if it were a matter of everybody being so happy controlling your health when everybody would be healthy 24-7, but that's not the case. So... I mean, he could still be thrilled to be back here and then miss most of or all the season due to injury again. But I do think he'll play a decent chunk of the year at the very least, and I think he'll have a solid season. I do. I do think that being thrilled to be back here, being amped to be back, I think that has an effect on your performance in and of itself. And he has made it very clear that he is very glad to be back here. I mean, it was even said in reports throughout the last week or two that he turned down more money elsewhere just to come back here. And he said he had unfinished business. We spoke about this a couple of weeks ago when he was brought back. So we know, again, how thrilled he was to be back here. And, and even more so, made even clearer in the last week or two in the reports, saying that he turned down more money elsewhere just to be here. And that elsewhere, apparently, being Boston. <laughs> Didn't want to go there. Wanted to be here. Back with the Yankees to finish his unfinished business. So I do think that that kind of excitement, that kind of motivation, that kind of thrill, and I'm sure the Yankee fans will greatly welcome him back. He's a fan favorite here. So with all that combined, I think he could very well have a great season. I hope he does. 
Because if he ends up being the only addition to the bullpen really this offseason, while the Yankees do have some studs coming back off the injured list in the likes of Michael King, Ron Marinaccio, it'd be made even better if Tommy Canely is just transformed back into a stud. And I hope for that as much as the next guy. So I do think that he has at least a a good season. I will definitely say that right now. I'll predict that. He has a good season. Solid. Not fantastic. Not godly. But I think it's pretty solid, at least. And playing all year, at least a chunk of the year. Because he may be limited as well. Maybe. A little bit. Since he's missed a lot of time the last couple of years. But we'll see. I have faith in my boy, though. I love Tommy Canley. I'm a big fan of his. So we'll see. At Jeremy Arroyo says, I would like a mic update. How are you doing? How have you enjoyed this offseason? How's the family? What are the plans for Yapping Yankees in 2023? Give us the tea. Wow. Personal question. I'm, I'm down for it. I guess I'm I'm all right. I'm, I'm going through a bit of a tough time because my, my job is like, it's so demanding. And it takes up much of my time. It really, really does. It's it's a lot. My, my regular job, because I don't know for those of you who don't know, I'm a program director and operations manager of a radio station out in eastern Long Island, and it's a lot. (laughs) I run a staff. I run the whole station. I'm responsible for making sure the schedule is going okay, making the schedule itself, editing, producing, making sure everything's running okay. It's just, it's a lot. The list goes on and on and on of my responsibilities. So... The job takes up much of my time, which is why at times I was sounding a little bit doubtful about the future of Yapping Yankees because I was contemplating, am I just going to need to go full throttle on this job? But I can't let go of Yapping Yankees, man. I love doing this too much. It's so fun interacting with you guys. It's just fun talking about what I love with the Yankees. And it constantly reminds me about why I'm in the radio industry in the first place or just in the broadcasting industry at all because I want to talk about the thing that I love more than almost anything in this world, and that's the Yankees. Almost anything. Of course, my my immediate family and, and people like that come first. Obviously, duh. But I have a passion, an unmatched passion otherwise, for much of anything else than I do with the Yankees, and I love talking about them. And it reminds me of, of my dream and why I'm doing what I'm doing. So I can't let go of this show, along with the fact that I just have a blast doing it. I have so much fun. I love doing yapping Yankees. So... I guess that perfectly segues me into one of your other questions. What are the plans for Yapping Yankees 2023? Well, it's going to continue. (laughs) I'll have another season's worth of coverage. Can never say anything about next year because, you know, or maybe even tomorrow because tomorrow's never guaranteed when you think about it. But I plan to do the entirety of 2023 doing Yapping Yankees. I definitely plan on it. And uh, maybe 2024. So with doing 2023, I'm kind of just trying to take it one year at a time. But with doing this, I'll have covered, at the end of it, most of 2019, except for April of 19. 2020, 2021, 2022, and 2023 by then. That's a lot of coverage. A lot of years of coverage. And I'm just glad to do it. It's it's so much fun. And the family's doing okay. I really appreciate you asking for a personal update. That's very nice of you. So, it's good to know that some people care. <laughs> so, that's really all, I guess. This The job is really, it's just a lot takes up much of my time. I don't have much of a life if we're being really honest. And uh, everybody else is doing okay, I guess. And uh, the offseason's going okay. Like I said, I'm just fine with it so far. I'm, I'm kind of iffy about it if things just stay the way that they are right now. So, but I do thank you for that question. It's very sweet of you. 
Up next is my friend Spencer at Musician DMD saying, see so many fans counting down the days for spring training and opening day. I try to avoid those posts. I prefer to let the winter pass and then rejoice the day that spring training and opening day arrive. I admit I'm overthinking, but for me, the countdowns are draining. They remind me how long we have to go till Major League Baseball starts again. I don't disparage fans who like it, but I don't find the joy in the slow march from the end of the previous season to the new one. I find it draining, but I know I'm overthinking it. How do you feel about the countdowns to spring training and opening day? Interesting question. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, I, I don't mind it, I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't really mind it. As a matter of fact, I, I do kind of harp on it myself because I can't wait for baseball to return always. I can't wait till the winter's over because I despise the winter, I despise the cold, and I despise the lack of baseball. So I guess I do have to plead guilty to really taking part in that. I don't really post it nearly as much as some other people do. There are literally people out there who post it every single day. The countdown numbers, I don't nearly do that. I'll do it maybe every few weeks. But I do plead guilty to playing some sort of a part in that, I guess. because And I am always thinking about it. Even if I'm not posting it, I am thinking about how many more days there are left. So I guess I plead guilty. But... I could definitely understand people not wanting to rush it, just enjoying the the calmness and the tranquility of the offseason and seeing what the Yankees do to improve the team and taking a breather of some sorts. But I, for one, as someone who can't wait to make it through the dreadful dark winter and someone who just can't stand much of life without baseball, <laughs> I, guess, I, I guess I'd sort of go with those other people. So I don't mind the countdown at all. I kind of take part in it most of the time, I have to say. So... I'm sorry I'm really not in the same wavelength as you there, Spencer, but that's how I feel about it. Tina at MountainGal456 asks, Are you worried at all about the pitching rotation now that Montas will be out for what looks like a month or longer? No, the Montas injury really doesn't have me feeling concerned for the rotation. He, he wasn't really much of a factor at all last year anyway after they got him, so how am I supposed to really care, to be honest, to be really blunt about it? Um... It's an annoyance because if the Yankees really were considering Clark Schmidt and or Domingo Herman to try to make some sort of a deal for the team that could have really helped ultimately, even though they don't really probably have that much value on them, but still could have played a part in a larger package. They could have been a part of it. That sort of takes that possibility away and maybe having them as sort of a long relief option more than a rotation one. So it makes it sort of annoying in that sense, I guess, and, you know, just having to put one of them in the rotation. But as far as Montas himself, you're not really missing much, <laughs> to be honest. Because think about what his Yankee stay has been so far. It's been crappy performances and injury time. That's what it's been. So it's really tough to be legitimately concerned or upset about him being out for a month or longer. I mean, I think Domingo Herman could slide in nicely, I, I guess, for the time being, hopefully, you hope. If he doesn't, then I guess I'll have a little bit of a problem. But at the, at the same time, Montes was going to be the five guy. So it's not like Cole getting hurt or Rodon getting hurt or even Severino getting hurt. If there's one person you have to pick to get hurt, I mean, you don't want anybody to get hurt. I'm not saying that, but... If you had to pick one, if you're guaranteed, if you're told someone's going to get hurt, pick who you'd rather it be. It's Montas of all five. I mean, come on. 
So not really concerned, not really worried, especially if Herman and or Schmidt could slide in there and make it just be seamless, then it's whatever at that point. I'm more concerned about the one through four, which I'm, I'm not concerned about, but I, when I say that, I mean I'd be more concerned if one of them got hurt. That's what I mean by that. I'd be more concerned with them. So not really that worried, to be honest, Dina. I'm just more ticked off about that than anything, to be honest, because just it's just annoying to see the continued failure of that trade since it was made at the trade deadline. It's just frustrating. At Jerry DNY asking, who is the closer? I think you're going to be seeing that being given to multiple guys. I think once Marinaccio and King come back and you have Loisga out there, you have Wandy Peralta out there, you have Clay Holmes out there, as long as you have a number of arms out there that have closed games in the past, I think they're just going to shuffle between them, to be honest. So, and maybe even Canely, depending on how Canely does. Canely, too. He could maybe see some closings. I, I don't know. Maybe he'll close some games. But I don't think the Yankees have a definitive closer. I, I don't think they do. And the, while that leaves me a bit uncomfortable, because I do feel like any true contending team should have someone who they have in the back of their minds. It's like, yeah, that's the one who's going to close the game. I, I don't think they have a definitive one. I, I really don't. If there was going to be one... I'd probably say it should be Luizaga, even though he does have his health concerns too. He seems to miss at least a month per season with shoulder problems at one point or another. But when he's healthy, especially with how he just bounced back in 2022, I think it goes without saying that purely talent-wise and closer stuff-wise, I think he's he would be the best closing option, but I don't think he's going to be the sole closer. I think they're going to just shuffle it pretty much. Like they had a habit of doing already. We've seen them do that a lot, and I think they're going to continue that. At HeavenBND asks, What do you think the reason is that the Yankees squabbled and folded over $500,000 with Glaber? Like 10.2 versus 9.7. Yeah, those were the right numbers. I don't know. It's just sort of the arbitration process, I guess. They just haven't settled. That's kind of why I went in on it before, too, because it's really not that big of a difference. It's not worth getting into a big fuss over. Uh, they should just settle at 10, if anything. But it's just the arbitration process. I don't know. We'll see where they end up settling or maybe even not settling, and that could make things real ugly and possibly affect performance. Who knows? It has affected performance with some players as you know the season begins, and there's a lot of conflict between the player and the organization, and they have to meet with someone who has to get them settled in the middle, or you know either the organization wins or the player wins. So... It's a mess. Arbitration stinks. It really does. But, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe it speaks to his long-term future now the Yankees view him. It could. Uh, because we all know that, and I've, I've addressed it many times, with the Yankees having far too many infielders. Especially if all are healthy. I mean, you have backup infielders in the likes of Oswaldo Cabrera. And if Peraza doesn't get the start, he'll be another backup. And you have Glaber and DJ being both second basemen. You have Josh Donaldson at third. You have IKF either on the bench or at shortstop. It's a lot of infielders. That's like six or seven guys for three positions. It's a logjam. We've said it many times, millions of times we've said it since last year, especially since the Donaldson and IKF trade was made. So it could mean that they have been planning on or still plan on maybe involving him in a trade package or at some point 
just not really seeing him as part of the long-term future. But that also depends on DJ's health. There are a lot of factors involved, just a lot of factors. So it could be one of those things or just a simple arbitration squabble, like you said. Just they haven't settled yet, and maybe they will settle. We'll see how it plays out, but it could be a number of different things. It could be. At Sean9966-0764 asks, Are we going to be stuck with Hicks and Josh Donaldson? Uh, it's looking that way. It looks like they are just content with settling with them. Even if like Hicks doesn't get too much playing time, which I imagine if he's still on the roster, he will, because he's still making like 10 plus mil a year, around 10 million a year on average. Average earnings, 10 million. So he probably will still get looks much to the unhappiness of basically all Yankee fans, especially myself, in 2023. And Josh Donaldson, if he's still around, yeah, you're going to see him at third base. And it's looking like that is what's going to happen at this point. And Cashman is not just bluffing about it. It's really starting to seem that way. So that's just what it looks like from this perspective. It seems like, yeah, as much as I freaking hate it. Um, at NYY Sports Fan 96 asks, don't know if I'm late, but how do you feel about this team heading into spring training? Well, like I said, the offseason's just been fine, in my opinion, so far. It's been okay. More improvements are needed. And I see this as a team, I see them as a team making the playoffs, like they do every year, pretty much. I see them making the playoffs, but then I don't see them getting very far. They might make it past the DS. They could win the division. They could. Um, but I don't see them making it to the World Series or winning it. I just don't. This is not a championship team. Because there are a number of holes on the field still that need addressing. And again, they could be addressed at the deadline. That could change everything. It could. I don't know. I'm just saying at this point... Because you said the question was, how do you feel about this team right now heading into spring training? That's how I feel. About this current roster on January 15th, 2023, this is not a championship team. It's not. I'm sorry if it upsets you or pisses you off hearing me say that, but it's not a championship team. It's as simple as that. Third base and shortstop if Peraza isn't there and left field. And the question marks in the air about second base with this Glaber stuff going on now and DJ's health being up in the air even. That's even a little bit of a question mark now, slightly. And some people even mentioned the bullpen being a little iffy. And now you got this Montas thing going on, which um, doesn't really concern me that much, to be honest. But it's just another thing to pile on. So, and if you want to even bring up the lack of left-handed hitters again, that issue. And the fact that, especially with guys like Benintendi, Carpenter, others who made big impacts at certain parts of the season when they were here being gone now. Some people might even argue that not only is this team the same as last year with no improvements, but it might even be a little worse. So, with that being factored in, while also factoring the good side of it, bringing back guys like Judge and Rizzo and signing Rodon, bringing Canely back, that could be good. We haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen it play out. But, so when it all balances out, I'm just like, yeah, it's fine, but it's not a championship team. It's not. How could it be? Last year's team wasn't a championship team, and like it's been well established, one could argue that the offense specifically is the same or maybe even slightly worse. And that was the factor that ultimately ended up being their true undoing. 
So how could you say that there's a championship team right now? Currently. You really can't. Unless you're just not being realistic. So, at Laura underscore Icemont asks, how confident do you feel with this team now that spring training is a month away? So basically the same question as the last one. So I, I, I'll just direct you to the last uh, answer to the last question, Laura. I'm just, the offseason's fine, but it's not a championship team. It's not. There are still holes to be filled. All right, let's do a couple more. Uh, at J23 Mattingly, asking, do you think Boone's management style will be at all different next season? I mean, I don't really see a, a need for him to change now. I don't really see a reason that he would see to change. He's been the manager for basically a half a decade now, and he's mainly done, I don't know, the same sorts of things, so I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think anything's really going to change. And, you know, it also becomes a matter of how much say he really even has in things, certain things. So, we'll see. But I, I don't really think it's going to change all that much, if at all. I don't really think he would see much reason to change it. At Yankee Ken asks, what do you think of Jerickson Profar for left field? 70 walks, 36 doubles, and 15 homers last year for the Padres, and is a switch hitter. He's still out there as a free agent. Well, I'll be honest with you, man. I'm just, I'm not a big fan of Jerickson Profar. I'm just not. I don't think he's that good. <laughs> I really don't. Um, I know he had a lot of doubles and you know, 15 home runs, and he's, it's whatever. But his stats don't blow me away. They don't. And again, I know you don't have to have a, an all-star in every position, I know, but his stats just don't blow me away. I mean, if you look at his offense... If you take away the shortened season, which a lot of people take that away whenever they evaluate a player, then he's only had two seasons in his nine-year career so far. And yeah, one of the years is 2012. He only had like 17 at-bats, so that's you can't really count that. But So for basically one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years of his career, and one of those is, is the shortened season in 2020, keep that in mind. So exclude the 2020 season, which is the best offensive season he had, I think it's safe to say. He's only had two seasons where he's slightly above average offensively in 2018 and last year. So in the other seasons, I mean, he is, he's been bad. He's just not that great. He's really not. And he'll play like 130 to 140 games, so he'll still miss some time. And I don't know. He's got good versatility because he could play left field. He could play the infield. I get that, but I don't. I'm just. I have never been that big into Profar. I, I just haven't. I, I do value walks, I guess, but if that's if that's the only thing you're valuing, then you might as well be going for another Aaron Hicks. I mean, and even Aaron Hicks had a decrease in that a bit lately. So I don't know, and I wanted nothing to do with Max Kepler either. I still don't. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not into Jerickson Profar. I'm just not. All right, let's finish off the usual final two. First up is my girlfriend at Vic Salimo, and Vic says, The Montes situation is really annoying. Is it really even worth putting him back into the rotation if and when he comes back? He's only spent so much time either being hurt or doing badly as it is in his time as a Yankee. It's a good question. I think it definitely depends where they're at by then. 
I mean, I guess they would put him right back because, you know, they traded for him in anticipation of him being a part of the rotation. So the Yankees would put him back in there, I have to assume. But, I mean, what if it ends up being significantly more than a month even, which is completely possible because it is very possible that this injury, as it is right now, could be far worse than they're even already letting on. Like we've established, three months or so of nothing, three months or so of offseason, and he's still going to be out until at least May. And when he's on his way back, who knows if he'll have a setback, or if it's revealed at some point that the injury's even worse and he'll miss even more time. So it could depend on that. What happens if they end up replacing him with Herman while he's out, and Herman does a great job? Or Schmidt, I think there's more of a chance of Herman doing a better job. But... What happens with that? You might be forced to keep one of them in the rotation if they're doing that well as the number five guy. So there are factors that makes you think maybe they wouldn't have to put him back in. Maybe it's not worth it. Who knows? But when he is to come back, I imagine the Yankees will give him a shot at least because they traded for him to be a part of the rotation. The Yankees anticipated Montas to make a huge impact. And... It's been a disaster so far. So, knowing the Yankees, they'll give him every opportunity under the sun that they can to make sure that, you know, he gets his fair shot. Because, I mean, as far as chances go, this is the same team who's still contemplating on giving Aaron Hicks more chances in 2023. So, it's really doubtful to think that they wouldn't put him back in. I'm sure that if and when he's ready to go that they'll put him back in. But I definitely understand the question. I definitely do. I mean, for all the factors that I just said, and even more so for what you said, for how disastrous it's been so far, even though it's only been a couple of months worth since it was just the second half of the season. But you're right that in that time so far, and even to start 2023, as of the report a couple of days ago, it's been a complete and utter failure of a trade so far, at least from our perspective, from our side of things. I mean... At this point, the acquisition of Montas from Oakland has been terrible. And it continues to put a further stain on the history of the last few years of the Yankees making trades for pitchers from Oakland. It has not been good. Sonny Gray also comes to mind as another nightmare. It's just not a good thing to pursue anymore, it would seem. So... You're absolutely right. He's spent so much time either hurt or just doing awfully. But uh, I'm sure they would give him a fair shake at it. I mean, depending on your definition of fair, when he is to come back. So, that's my. those are my thoughts on it, I guess. Last but certainly not least, as usual, is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero. And she asks, My question is, do you think Derek Jeter will attend opening day to inaugurate the first game with the Yankees' next captain since his reign? Interesting question. Another interesting one. We've got some interesting questions in the bunch this week. Very nice. Uh, yeah, I think it's very possible, I guess. I don't think they'd make it that big of a deal. Um, but, yeah, it is It is the first game of the Yankees having a new captain since Jeter, and Jeter has been around far more lately since he is no longer involved with the Marlins in a high-position role with them. So, it's possible, yeah. He could attend. I would definitely not be surprised at all if he did. And especially just make his presence known. Like, maybe he'd be there to see Judge's first game as the captain. Who knows? Yeah, it's a good thought. 
Certainly possible. Interesting question and an interesting one to finish off on for sure. But with that being said, I definitely thank all of you, as always, for submitting all your questions. There were a lot more, again, than as usual that I didn't get to, but... Just keep on chipping away at it each week, guys. I'll get to you eventually. The questions and interaction in general are always beyond appreciated. You know that. It's always fun doing it. And then thanks for the interesting questions especially. A lot of interesting ones. And even the one about my personal life. That meant a lot, man. Because, <laughs> you know, there is a lot going on in my personal life with work especially. Because it's, it's a lot. When you have the position that I have at the age of just 26, and I just turned 26, and I'm in this position for nearly a year already as of the first week of March, which is crazy. It's flown by. But um, it means a lot to know that some people out there care. So thank you for the personal question. Thank you for the interesting questions, and thank you for the questions overall. I truly, truly appreciate it more than you know, really. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. But that does put a wrap on episode 169 for today. Action-packed episode, even though there wasn't really too much to talk about as far as the number of things to talk about. But with the actual details of the content that we had to talk about in itself, a lot of thoughts to expand upon and did make for an interesting episode. Unfortunately, a chunk of it was negative because it's, it's tough to not feel too great about, but... Who knows, some of it could change before the offseason, some of it could change at the deadline, or maybe when the team actually takes the field, it may not be as nearly as bad. Who knows? We'll see. You never know with baseball. You never know. And if anybody will tell you that, it's John Sterling, for instance. Nobody can predict baseball. It's impossible to predict, Susan. Impossible. Anyways, please remember, guys, to follow me on all socials if you do not already. Facebook fan page is Mike Scudero NY. Twitter is at Mike Scudero. And Instagram is Mike Scuds97. Subscribe across all four of the platforms Yapping Yankees is available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Show your love across all of them. And if you've missed any Yapping Yankees episodes and need to catch up, episodes 34 up to 169 today are available on YouTube. And every single Yapping Yankees episode going back to episode one nearly four years ago are all available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Once again, thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today. As always, though, my friends, as usual, I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you in two Sundays, going back to the every other week format for now, on January 29th, when February is just around the corner. At that point, even more to talk about at that time, I would assume, when I come at you with episode 170 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, as usual, hang in there, be patient, stay safe. Look out for your loved ones. Keep those eyes peeled for more moves. Let's hope that there are some. This team needs those improvements. Let's see what happens as the weeks continue and the time of the offseason continues to dwindle away as February, believe it or not, continues to grow closer and closer. In the meantime, why don't you go ahead and kick life's ass this week as usual, my friends. And I'll be right back at you in a couple of weeks on the 29th. Unless, of course, in the case something major happens. And I'll be back at you next weekend too, I guess. I do go by that as well. But otherwise, kick ass these next couple of weeks. And I'll talk to you on Sunday the 29th, my friends. Take care and go Yanks.